Hi, welcome to the Pylon Ultra Pod. As I explained last week, this is the first of our sprint pods where we talk about a specific topic related to the theme of the series and we do that in under 10 minutes. There's going to be five sprints and a longer ultra pod after that. So we're going to talk about thought biases over the next few weeks. We have five to talk about. James and I will split these between us and then we'll get together on week six and discuss in more detail how these can help us to be better and to live better lives. Firstly, the reason we've chosen this subject is because we're very aware that the way we think our thought patterns can be especially difficult when our mood is low or we're not feeling like things are going particularly well. The thoughts we spend our time with then become a reality. So if those thinking patterns aren't helpful, what can you do to make your mind work better for you? When you at least have a good understanding of why you think in these set patterns, you start to take the power out of those that hold you back or exacerbate your problems. So for the first one, you're stuck with me. Next week, you'll get to hear from James. I want to spend the next few minutes talking about mind reading as a very common thought bias. So when I say mind reading, I'm not talking about some kind of clairvoyancy or Darren Brown mind tricks. I'm talking about the stories we create about what those around us are thinking. We have a tendency to think we know exactly how our friends, colleagues, partners or peers are thinking. It's built into us as social animals living in and around groups that we try to grasp at what the general mood is and what others must be thinking about us, our general place in the group and how they feel about any of our actions. It's really obvious in a work environment. Back when we used to work in offices, you could spend a fair share of your time trying to work out what your boss really thought about your latest piece of work. Ashy's looking in a really bad mood and knew I should have spent a bit more time reviewing the edits in that document. It's even more obvious in our communications these days with friends and family. So much of it is done in text messages and WhatsApp messages on Facebook groups without any kind of context. We don't even have the ability to read any physical signals, but it doesn't stop our minds filling in the blanks anyway. For example, James hasn't replied to my WhatsApp I sent last night, he must be pissed off. Or, maybe I sent that message too late, her reply was just one word and no smiley face emoji. We are constantly mind reading. In itself, it can be useful, but if you take a step back over the next few days, try to observe some of the mind reading stories you come up with. Is there a difference that's related to your mood, for example? What's the evidence that those stories are true? What if they are true? What would it really mean? Does it make me a terrible person if they didn't like that last piece of work anyway? Or if you sent that text message a little bit too late? When we are feeling low, it usually means we'll come up with very negative and unhelpful mind-reading stories. We're thinking the worst, and so we believe the people around us are also thinking the worst of us. Doing things like our XP events, for example, you can be talking through a presentation you've worked really hard on, you know the message is exactly the one you want to land, and you're doing your best to deliver it, but you notice someone in a room yawning, and then you automatically think you must be losing the room, I must have overdone this story, people are all bored and fed up, why did I think this was a good idea? The reality might just be that the yawning guy was up late the night before with some sick kids at home and then had to be up early to finish some work stuff before they could escape to get to the weekend. It was nothing to do with the quality of the presentation. They were just knackered. They'd had to do a lot to be there and they'd done a decent run that day. This was the first time they'd been able to relax a bit. When our mood is much lighter and we're feeling much better, we're much more likely to communicate rather than be taken in by our mind reading. We usually ask a few more questions like, 
Are you still okay to support me on that run? I thought it seemed like you were annoyed about it the other night. If there's an opportunity to get to the facts, then it certainly does cut away a lot of the unnecessary worry and stress. When the distortions remain, we waste a lot of energy debating our own thinking and never knowing the reality of situations. So try to take a step back this week and notice how often you make quick assumptions about what other people are thinking. If you're really sharp on this stuff, you might even be able to see how your own actions might be viewed in someone else's mind. We've all done it at times. We've deliberately chosen to use words and behaviours that might leave someone else unsure about what we're really thinking. If you have a partner at home or a close friend who you interact with regularly, try not to make assumptions about their reactions to you. People have a lot going on in their lives other than us, remember? Sometimes people appear a little bit unresponsive to us because they've got something else going on. It's not because we've upset them. From a running perspective, we can be really quick to create stories based on what we feel the people around us are thinking. If you've ever come out of a race that didn't go to plan, for example, the biggest issue I see athletes dealing with is managing the fallout from those around them, their friends, their peers, their partners and their coaches. They thought I'd do much better or I was a much better runner and I let them down. They must think I'm a waste of space. How damaging must that thinking be to us when it's rarely true, if ever? And do you think that really helps us to take on future races, to tackle new events without more fear and more pressure? So again, do the simple thing. Look for the evidence or ask questions. Am I a terrible runner now? Do you think I could have approached the race differently? Do you think it was just a bad day or do you think I'm not good enough? The answers are there. You just need to be willing to dig past those distorted readings you're taking from those around you. So next week in our second sprint pod, James will continue the theme on thought biases and cover overgeneralization. If you'd like to support the podcast, then all you have to do is subscribe, leave us a comment, share it on social media, or just do some of the thinking and the work. We're hoping to continue to use everything we've learned from our running to support positive changes in our lives and yours. We're on a mission here to create more athletes and that's not about beating other people, it's about realising and going beyond the potential that's inside. And when you start to believe in yourself, then everything in your life can change. If there's anything we can help you with from a coaching perspective, please just get in touch with us. We have space with some brilliant coaches who look after 5k to marathon to 24 hour runners back of the pack to top step of the podium we really enjoy helping people who want to improve so if that's you and you're happy to put the work in then we are here to help thanks for listening and i will speak to you soon cheers